0: Hello, I'm Sean Clark and this is God's Own Scale, the only 6mm dedicated podcast that also wanders off into 2mm and even maybe 10mm at some point in the future. Today's guest is one of the longest serving figure manufacturers in the industry, Ian K from Irregular Miniatures. was very kind to give up an hour or so of his time whilst on holiday somewhere north of the wall where winter is always coming but the fish and chips are nice he's never appeared on a podcast before and i think he is resistant to some of the more modern forms of technology but i'm grateful to one of his sons for helping him out and pressing the right buttons i hope you're all well and keeping safe whilst the news is pretty grim at least as wargamers, we have the hobby to fall back on to keep us occupied in our bubbles, in our isolation or whatever the situation is that you find yourself in. Thank you to all the listeners who continue to download the show listen and offer feedback it's greatly appreciated and keeps me enthused to keep this little project going. Whilst we have no shows or gaming days to look forward to it doesn't seem to stop us buying figures, starting new projects or adding a splash of paint to old ones that have been long forgotten about. In hobby news, backers have now added the first codes of the Pony Wars range onto their website and as of today, which is the 15th of October Peter is looking to open the cart within the next week or so meaning I'm sure those new moulds will be taking a right old hammering. I'm also aware that Adler are shipping again As a future guest, Mr. Steve Evans, hi Steve, has placed a recent order with them, so that's good news for all fans of their figures. I'm certainly tempted with some of their character figures and their World War II range for a future project, but more of that next year. Andy at Heroics and Ross also seems to have opened up more ranges to the shopping cart, so it seems like things within the industry are starting to get back to somewhere near normal. If any positive can be taken out of the global pandemic then it seems business is booming within the hobby. blog of the episode is from John Bleasdale of the Grey Mouch blog. I'm sure I've butchered that pronunciation. I'm not sure if it's the name taken from a character in a David Gemmel book or not but that's the best I can do. There will be a link in the show notes to the blog but John's blog is almost exclusively 6mm and he does numerous periods. It's a real joy to behold with excellent painting, modelling skills on display, and some of the best battle and campaign reports you will find. Great work, John, and I hope to get you onto the show soon. Okay, enough of me wittering on. You're here to listen to the interview with Ian. Let's talk about (laughs) 6. Mademoiselle to you. Sing with all your heart and soul and see everyone right up the fall. Mademoiselle Fram and Okay, welcome to episode nineteen of God Scale Podcast. I am back in your ears. Um and today I've got a special guest with me, somebody who I've with for The best part of 35 years, I think, which makes me feel old, but probably makes my guests feel even older. Um, And he's a much requested guest. It's Mr. Ian Kay from Irregular Miniatures. Hi, Ian. How are you?
1: Um, I'm very well, thank you.
0: We've just had a little pre-chat, and this is your first experience of being a guest on a podcast. Yeah. I hope you're not too nervous. (laughs) Um, no, nope. nope. Good. <laughs> this, if if you were aware of just how unprofessional this podcast is, then uh, any nerves would quickly fly out the window anyway. So please don't feel under any, any pressure okay. at all. Um, the God's Own Scale podcast, as I explained a few minutes ago, is a six mil historical wargaming podcast podcast in the main although we do talk about we have talked about two mil in the past um but irregular have been around for some considerable time i'm i'm not sure there's many other wargaming companies out there that are older than you i, I can't think there are many out there that are older than you uh, how long have a been going um well i
1: think it's 40 years next march um yeah I started when I was uh, eighteen. I started when I
0: was eighteen. Blimey, that is a long time.
1: It is. It didn't seem like it. Just, I just kind of realising how long it's been. Just sort of nowish, really.
0: As I'm asking the question, you're now yeah, feeling <laughs> just taking
1: my socks off and counted it on my toes. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So. Um, as is normal with people that I've not spoken to on the podcast before, Ian, I'd just like to get into a bit of what, what their wargaming history is prior to setting up the company. Now you're only 18 when you set the company up. So, um, there can't have been that much of it beforehand. So how, how did you get into wargaming in the first place?
1: I was always obsessed with toy soldiers from being a, a little kid, really. And, uh, it was, um, just the Airfix plastic stuff, you know, they were, my pocket money was tailored to being able to buy a box of H.O. Gauge Airfix figures every week. And uh, yeah, I was just obsessed, really. And so uh, my friend, I had a couple of friends and we played with those. But then we discovered uh, that there were metal figures. We used to go on these pilgrimages to uh, a shop in Scarborough. So I was um, born in Norton, which is between York and Scarborough. And there was a shop that sold metal figures there and they were like, you know, just really magical somehow, better than the uh, plastic figures. Yes. And so I used to, we used to persuade my parents to go there and buy them. then there was a shop in near Leeds as well. So any holiday we had, I used to try and drag my parents in the direction of the shop that no. might sell figures or metal figures. And we used to have war games with the metal figures against the plastic figures and make the metal figures win. <laughs> you know, so they weren't really painted or anything, but yeah, I've always been into ToySold. Is, is the short answer.
0: So what would those figures have been back then?
1: Uh, they were mini figs. At that time, there wasn't. There was only uh, mini figs, Hinchliffe, Garrison, and maybe Lamming were just coming along. There was about four. Well, I wasn't really aware of things like Hinton Hunt, which are kind of older, aren't they? But, uh, yeah, minifigs were the first figures, metal figures, I thought.
0: Can you remember what they were?
1: Uh, well, we were very much into ancients, so we, they, but the shop wasn't that good, really. We just had this random selection of sort of Gallic spearmen, and then there was some horsemen, like ancient German horsemen, on Saturnid cataphract horses. Things so they're kind of random ancients, anything that they had really. There was seven and a half pence each, I think, for a foot figure.
0: Goodness me, they've gone up a bit since then,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we sell for 120 now, don't we? So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, but it's
1: 40 years, you know,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got to allow for inflation. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you were were you using rules then, back then, or, or not, not really.
1: Uh, rolling marbles and things like that. Or there might have been sort of throwing a dice to see who won in individual combats or something like that. Yeah. But marbles were used.
0: So were you a member of a club?
1: It's just a pretty small place, um, Norton. But a few friends were into it, and we did start a a war games club. We called it the Norton Gaylords, (laughs) <laughs> this is, uh, which is a, a joke about the South London Warlords, you think. Um, uh, so we did start a war games Club, but I think that was after I'd started regular matches, maybe not long after. There was a few Wargamers in Norton, maybe, say, uh,
0: 15 or something like that. Yeah. So pretty, well, what what age were you then when you were buying those metals, when you first um, elevated yourself up into the world of metal proper wargaming figures how old would you've been then that must have
1: been a i oh, must be about 12 or something like that i think
0: okay so uh, what so 6 years later then you you start a company that's still going yeah how did that, how did that come about
1: uh, well i left school at uh, i suppose like 16 or something and uh, i got a job in a in a sort of pottery decorating um pottery like mugs and then we went on to yeah. decorating toilets and bidets and baths and hand basins with like painting trees on them and things anyway i got this job it wasn't very good really and so i thought i better do something better
0: yeah. <laughs> well i i work in stoke-on-trent which is the 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 world's center of excellence for pottery so I had a lot of family working in the, in the pottery industry although most of it's now out, out in the far east unfortunately but uh, so uh, I can, that definitely resonates with me where you're decorating mugs and things so um, it, it was just a decision that you, you wanted to do something different was it that you wanted to get out of that, that rat race of uh, working for the man as it were I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah it- I was a bit, you kind of don't really know what having a proper job's like when you're at school, and uh, you you start doing a job and you think, oh, this is horrible, you know, and uh, not much holiday, and uh, you did get pay, which was quite good, but uh, um, yeah, it was just uh, I didn't really think what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, you know. I was uh, in bands and things at this time, and I kind of was thinking about being an international rock star, but uh, that sort of some stuff happened with that. But it wasn't turned out that wasn't really going to be a breadwinner either.
0: Right. That that rings a bell actually. Because isn't there a isn't there a, a miniature rock band that you? Yeah, I've,
1: I've been in bands all my life really, and some have done okay, and I've toured in. I've sort of toured Japan and America and. Europe and things, but it's never, it's always been on a very sort of amateurish sort of basis. And, uh, but yeah, I have made figures of a couple of bands that I've been in just, for uh, all the other members who thought it's quite funny or something, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, as somebody who never got past the, the stage of busking in the local town centre uh, and who who only knew about five chords and couldn't, couldn't sing. I, I take my hats off to you. That's You sad. only
1: need three chords, Sean.
0: You do, mate, well, yeah, but... I,
1: the
0: I, truth. I, I was always trying to show off. <laughs> you, <laughs> beat,
1: you were overreaching.
0: <laughs> well, I was for the B7, I tell you. <laughs> my fingers didn't quite stretch that far. Um, I've moved on to the ukulele now. It's far easier. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm more appropriate for a man of my age. Um, so... You've you've set this company up at eighteen, but I I presume that you discovered that you're able to do something with milliput or whatever material you were using.
1: Yeah, I, I started off by uh, converting minifigs figures. I'd seen a friend's army, and he'd done a lot of converting on his figure. He had a, a twenty-eight mil um, Russ army, twenty-five no, I it's called, Russian army, and he'd made them all different. Converting all the figures, and I thought this was a great idea, so I tried that. So, putting a milliput sort of furry waistcoat, uh, waistcoat on a figure, or adding a different hat, or putting a cloak on the figure, that was how I got into making figures.
0: And uh, at some point, you've made your own original figures, though, from reversing yes. those, thinking I, I can do, I can actually make my own range of figures.
1: Yeah, I've still got the the first figure I made which was, uh, was a 25 mil. Uh, that was kind of the standard for war gaming at that time, really 25 mil figures. And so I made uh, an ancient British slinger, but it was pretty awful because his arms were longer than his legs. And, you know, he wasn't great.
0: Yeah. But you've made this decision then to move on from the pottery industry. And whilst you're awaiting for rock god stardom, Mm-hmm. You set up a regular miniatures. What what was that first day like? <laughs> how, how did you make that step to come up with the name irregular miniatures and think I'm going to sell little bits of lead to the the wider public?
1: Well, uh, I packed in the job at the pottery, and uh, I did spend a few months uh, making figures so that I would have a range to present, rather than just saying, "Here's irregular miniatures. We've got one figure." It's an ancient British thing, you know.
0: With long arms.
1: uh, But I went to see um, Dave Hoyle, uh, who had, at the time, they were called QT models.
0: Oh, yeah. He's
1: now a museum miniatures, because he was in Bridlington, which isn't that far from uh, Norton. And I went to see him, and he said, oh, I want to make 25 mil figures, because I was into them and I was playing with them. But he said, oh, you don't want to do that. There's too many people making that you want to make either 54 mil or 15 mil and so I opted for 54 mil which is the wrong choice really because they're harder to make you know the (laughs) the standard is kind of high and 15 mil at a time were a bit sort of rudimentary I guess but anyway so I decided to I took his advice and I never really take people's advice now because I don't think it was that good advice I like you Dave by the way I'm not slagging up Dave, <laughs> um, but uh, so anyway I spent a few months making 54 mil figures and so when I and then I when I felt I had enough I had about 12 54 mil figures I took out a classified ad in military modeling that was about the only outlet really for uh, for wargaming uh, for advertising figures. military modeling was actually a 54 mil thing. But they did have a wargaming section in it as well yeah. at the time and uh so i took out a classified ad which cost seventeen pound fifty or maybe it was seven fifty it wasn't very much and uh and we got yeah we got a few orders um
0: yeah,
1: I was gonna say uh, something else, and I forgot what it was but
0: well, that's that's old age for you Ian. i guess oh. <laughs> um There's there's a difference between sculpting figures and then casting and producing them. Yeah. How did you learn that art? Right. So um,
1: I made the the figures out of milliputs on a sort of a wire armature. Yeah. I think, like, yeah, I can't remember how I kind of started doing that. I must maybe I read an article or something about that. Um, I used to get my dad dressed up in. old sheets around his shoulders to to see what a cloak looked like, you know, and he was holding a broom handle instead of a spear and he used him as a model. Um, And so I made the figures and then Dave of um, QT Models, as they were then, I used to take them over to Bridlington and he made the moulds for me. Because what you need, if you want to make moulds, you need a vulcanizing press, which is a very expensive piece of kit. At the time, they cost £2,000, I think. Um, Now they cost a lot more than that. Uh, So I didn't have one of those. So I got the moulds made by uh, Dave in uh, Bridlington. And then me and the lad from over the road, David Atkinson. Thank you, David Atkinson. We made a a centrifugal casting machine out of uh, an electric motor, probably off a washing machine. And we had two bits of chipboard and sort of bits of biscuit tin around the side that we sort of screwed down and that made a centrifugal casting machine. Oh, we made a wooden box around it. Yeah. And this, this was a homemade centrifugal casting machine. And then we held, heated up the metal in a saucepan on a colour gas ring. I mean, what you really need is one of these um, crucible melting pots, but they cost several hundred pounds. It was all done on a shoestring. I was able to set up for about 50 pounds. It cost a yeah. the irregular regular miniatures. That was like, I paid 20 quid to get the mould made and. I don't know. I spent a bit of money on getting a catalogue printed, uh, so that was the the setup. And this uh, homemade cash machine it kind of worked okay. Really, it wasn't wasn't bad. It,
0: it sounds like the sort of thing you might. It might be dangerous to be in the vicinity of though.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had it in my mum and dad's attic, and uh, yeah, I don't think there, there weren't any injuries. No.
0: <laughs> Still got all your fingers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you you said you made the decision to go with fifty four mil, and you probably regret that decision. Um, uh, was Peter Lang around at the time?
1: Yeah, Peter Lang. He, he was fifteen mil, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know much about him because i just, I used to what I'd been buying before I set it up was uh, minifigs and Hinchliffe figures, or some Grieving and ball figures. They were pretty good. Yeah. So I was just kind of into 25 mils. So I I was aware of Peter Lang, but I didn't have any or anything like that.
0: Yeah, they they were one of the regular advertisers in military modelling. I seem to remember back. in They ahead. were, yeah, they were. I, I I'd never purchased them myself. I've never actually owned. And how um, old are you, Sean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just turned fifty. Thank you. Ian. Just
1: whisper it. Fifty. A young slip of a slip of
0: a so, well, yeah, I don't feel like it. Um, so you you set up on a, on a real shoestring, put money into that, making a um catalog or getting yeah. the catalog printed, and you started to receive some orders. So that must have been pretty encouraging for you as a young uh, wargaming entrepreneur.
1: It was it was amazing, really, because uh, the advert was due to come out on I think like the twenty. 20- 6th of March, which is my birthday, by the way. But in fact, I got orders before that because I didn't know about this about magazine publication, but they have these publication dates, but they seem to come out beforehand, don't they? Yeah. Or they used to, anyway. And so I was very surprised to get three orders even before the the advert come out, which was great.
0: And how fast was your postage back then? Because you are renowned as one of the fastest turnaround companies in the world, I think.
1: Uh, it was probably pretty fast because, um, yeah, I, mean, I had nothing else to do, you know. the order come yeah. in, cast them, unless you maybe already got them cast anyway. Just stick them in a box, send them out. It's, uh, you know, it's not really uh, rocket science. And I think when I used to buy from Minifigs and Hinschliff, Minifigs used to take quite a long time for orders to come. And when you're a, an eager wargamer, you don't want to be waiting a couple of weeks to get your figures there.
0: You? No, not at all.
1: Hinchcliffe were faster. Actually, they were quite. Good. They were about five days or something.
0: But yeah, you know. were they were they based somewhere close to you geographically, Hinchcliffe? Yeah, right?
1: they were in Huddersfield, uh, Hinchcliffe, yeah. and uh, Minifix were in Southampton, weren't they? So, that's right,
0: yeah. but I, that's not an excuse. No, no, no absolutely. Um, but I, I do seem to recall back then that it was always uh, if you wanted a catalogue or a sample figure, it was send a stamp address envelope and wait twenty eight days, wasn't it? Yeah. It the standard back in the day.
1: That's right. Mail order services have gotten much better, haven't they?
0: Yeah. Well, they certainly have. And um, I know that... Uh, the. Well, I don't know how you turn around your orders so quickly, but we'll come on to that shortly. Um, so you've you've got a small stock then or a small catalogue of 54 mil figures. At, w- at what point do you start branching out? Because a, a regular are really a one-stop shop aren't they if if there's a period of history where there's been a conflict i'm pretty sure regular cover it in, in one of whichever scale it is so w- when did you first branch out from those first few 54 mil figures
1: well um it, probably after about a year i mean although it was a very good start getting those three orders before the advert had even come out thereafter it was a bit thin, you know. Um, we weren't getting loads of others because, I guess, it's a different market as the 54 mil market. And my figures weren't that good either. You know, so it, it was the hardest thing to start making, really. But I suppose it was good practice, you know, to hone your yeah. skills and things. But uh, I was into, personally, I was into um, 25 mil. I remember I wanted to have a assassinate army. I was working on a Sassanid army. No, no, I was, had an Arab conquest army. And I wanted to some Sassanid Qabrani, which you could have in the army. And I, I tried to order from Essex. Essex had just started around about the same time, actually, hadn't they? And uh, I rang up and said, can you sort of get me, how soon can you get me these Sassanid Qabrani? And they said it'd be a couple of weeks or or something. And so I made my own and that was the start of making 25mm figures, apart from that British slinger which I'd made a year before. And so then I made a couple more 25mm, because it was much, it's much more interesting, I've always found, making figures that you're into at the time, it makes you make a better figure than something yeah. that you're sort of interested in, but you're not thinking, I'm going to have this in my own army, you know. So you've got the incentive to try and make it as good as possible. And so I started making 25 mil, and we we were doing, we started doing shows, but we were taking 54 mil shows to uh, war game, sorry, 54 mil figures to war game shows. And we did sell some, but obviously that was the wrong fit, you know. So the first breakthrough in, in the business doing a lot better was starting to make 25 mil siege equipment, which my dad suggested. As like uh, something niche that not many, not many other people have done. So we, we started making some things like battering rams and, and penthouses with battering rams and ladders and all that business. And we went to um, got into Northern Militaire, which is the biggest show in the calendar at that time, and we sold loads of them. And so that was kind of the start of the branching out from fifty four mil going at twenty five mil, and we did that for a long time. Concentrating on 25 mil, but then um, anyway, you might want to ask another question about other
0: skills. or something. <laughs> no, I'm mate, I'm absolutely fascinated at, at this journey that uh, you found yourself on at such a young age. So uh, we'll we'll continue down that path because I do remember um, having your catalogue back in the day uh, with all these weird and wonderful. Bits of equipment that you did in, in twenty five mil, whether it was a, a pig roasting over a fire or uh,
1: some flaming s- pigs were quite famous, weren't they? Cowdog flaming pig, which was what apparently some sadistic people back in the day used to do to uh, disturb elephants or something, didn't they?
0: Yes, yeah. the yes.
1: Pig run at it that was on fire. <laughs>
0: That's right. Did um, were you still wargaming then at this point where you 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 said you. It's far easier for you to make a figure if you're interested in it, or you need it for your own army. Were you actively wargaming and painting figures, and you know, yeah, WRG gamer that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it was WRG. It was I was uh, first of all, I was kind of exclusively into uh, ancients, and so yeah, it was WRG uh, sixth edition. I think was the the prevalent rule set.
0: Yeah. And we, did you enter competitions or was it just between you and your mates?
1: Um, well, we did go, We had the Norton Gaylords War Games Club and we did go on sort of matches against like the Bridlington Club and uh, I'm trying to think where else. And I think I did enter some... When we used to go to shows, um, I used to enter some competitions now and again, and... Uh, but they're, they're kind of horrible, aren't they? Um, yeah. competition games, it's really you're up against a complete lawyer, you know, and you both yeah. want to win, and uh, it's not very nice. For,
0: no, no, it's gives you a headache. It's, my, well, my experience is it just brings out the worst in me, um, yes, that's right. so yeah. um, I'm even less happy than I, yeah. than I would normally. Um, I don't, I don't know if you mentioned it, actually what were those, those fit. 54 mil figures what were they were they ancient figures
1: yes they were yeah ancient and dark ages
0: and uh, are they still they in your range
1: well mm, i made these things called complementary pairs where it was two figures and they were like a little mini diorama like there was a viking and a saxon fighting it out or there was uh, a british slinger gathering stones and he's and a warrior straightening his sword, you know, they were and I think one or two most of the these early figures have been remodeled. Certainly those have, but the, actually there is like one or two of them that were just tarted up a bit and improved and still in the range, yeah. Like the British Slinger gathering stones, for instance. He's still around. And I think yeah. hmm, no, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the only one that's around. Uh,
0: so these Sassanids that you uh, decided to make, yeah. Um, well, I'm guessing the internet was a, a something that you'd only see on Star Trek at the time. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, there was there was no none of that.
0: No. So <laughs> where where we saw where was your source material? Uh, I had those
1: WIG books, you know, armies of um, armies of and enemies of Imperial Rome. All that series are, are great. You know, they're really good. I think they're very authoritative. And at the time, anyway, they were the best. And they are still good.
0: Yeah. So th- I think they were Phil Barker, weren't they? From Yeah, Phil
1: Barker. Ian Heath did a lot of, um, uh, did some of them. I was very pleased to get some orders from Ian Heath recently because I was able to tell him how great his books are.
0: Oh wow! Okay, that's good. Um, so that that was the basis that You that that was the source material that you would use, and and you branched out into these uh, twenty five mil, as they were called at the time. They weren't called twenty eight mil, were they? you'll yeah. have it right. They were twenty five mil, and then the siege equipment. Um, but y- you did go into fifteen mil, and and smaller scales. From then on, so when when let this is a six mil gaming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's we're apps. I'm absolutely happy to talk about all the all the figures you do, Ian. But um I am very interested in when you first started six mil and why. Um, I I think they might have come before fifteen mil, doing six mil.
1: Although I'm not entirely sure about that. I was at a show in York which is very local to me. And uh, Phil Barker said to me he wished someone would remake the Minifigs 5 mil blocks. Yeah. And uh, I'd never heard of them. And I don't think I've ever seen to this day one of these Minifigs 5 mil blocks. I think it's something that they made, you know, a long time ago and they were never, they were dropped and never kind of reissued or whatever. Yeah. So he said he wished somebody and I thought, well, that sounds interesting. So I went home and I made a a block. I mean, I don't. I made a block and I made it just arbitrarily, sort of six men across and four men deep of uh, early Frankish warriors. You know, uh, yeah. Franks from say 400 AD or something. Um, and it was quite pleasing. You know, that sort of very miniature things are uh, pleasing, aren't they? Yeah. And and then, but I think that those blocks, we, we still do blocks, like that's a few of them, but they're pretty difficult to cast. And I think I decided it'd be better if it was a strip um, across in a, in a line of breast yeah, on a base. Yeah. Because um, the only other six mil or five mil figures, probably they were called, one 300th they were called, uh, at the time was Heroics and Ross. And, and these are good figures, but they were kind of a bit fiddly in that you had to clip them off a long line, didn't you, and stick them on a base. Yes. And I thought that uh, if you could just do a strip that you could plonk down uh, six figures, or with a block, it's even better, really. Eh? That's like 24 figures. That could be a Napoleonic battalion or a war band or something, just in a handy block. Yes. So I made some Romans um, as in a strip format, and I made a, an ancient British chariot. And, again, I think the Verlix and Rostos is very good, you know, but it's a bit fiddly, isn't it, when you have to stick the, the cart together or the chariot together. So I made it all in one piece on a base. Just to, You have to paint it, obviously, but otherwise you stick it down, it's ready to go. And uh, so that was this. And, uh, yeah, I think we made a few of these Romans and types, and we went to a show in Derby, and they got a very good... Reception, you know, people were buying all we'd brought with us.
0: Yeah, that's so. What year would that have been?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think it might have been something like ooh, 1985 or something like that. Okay, but I'm not really sure. I could find out maybe.
0: Well, that, that's that's a pretty good guess. I was uh, just a couple of years later. I was a student with not much money and i remember buying from you um a pack of an army uh, no, a battle pack uh with the irregular miniatures rule box the napoleonic rule box and i had russians and and french off you in these blocks of 24 figures i can remember sitting in my halls painting them with some very cheap craft paints, which didn't really work, but I, I quite enjoyed playing it on, um, on the little table I've got in, in my, uh, in my dormitory. But, um, that, that rule box was interesting. Actually, you, you did th- three of those, four of those, you certainly did oh. ancients, and part four. Yeah. Um, were, th- were they rule- rules that you wrote yourself? Yeah. And, um, I know um some people are still playing them uh, I don't know if you still sell them or you get any feedback from customers about about that rule set which is now quite old uh, but i've I've got lots of fun memories about those. was that something that was that an idea you came up with just off the spur of the moment or was it a long held ambition of yours to do a, a a set of rules on the back of a postcard
1: um well, I think like, when you play war games, you, you think these rules, are, or you don't really like a set of rules, and so you think you'd try and write some that, you know, and they kind of want to have all the features that you like and none of the features that you don't like in a war game. Um, so that's why I would write war games rules. and um, And I can't remember why I thought that it would be a good idea having them on cards in a box. I suppose it was just kind of a novelty, really, you know. Uh, But actually, they do sell really well, and we're still selling a lot of them. Um, Actually, we just got a reprint of one of them. There's been some reprints in the past. I mean, they're very old. And I never know if they're any good or not, because, you know, when you create something yourself... It's very hard to evaluate it, yes. it really? yeah. Yeah, uh, but having said that, we, my my mate and I, who I play a lot with, we still do quite a bit of ancients and we'd kind of switched to DBA for a long time. But then we've started playing with the ancient rule again recently, and uh, they're okay. I mean, this, I think, there's things that we think we should change with them, but uh haven't got
0: around to a second edition. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, any any set of rules which is still in its first edition after 35-plus years is doing well in my book. It's value for money because you seem to get a new edition of rules every three or four years, don't you, where? They are
1: cheap anyway. People can have a punt, can't they, and it's not going to break them out. They're three quid, or, or maybe they've gone up to four quid
0: now. Those rules. Oh, cracky. four quid. But they're
1: quid. not not that deep.
0: No, no, you're not spending twenty five or thirty quid on a, on these coffee table books that are going That's right, to yeah. if you drop on them. Drop them on it. Um, yes, yeah, so I've got, I've got very fond memories of those, and, and my uh, long time wargaming opponent Aidy's got every set of them, and I know he's very fond of them as well. Bless you. Yes. Bless you. <laughs> um, so those first six mil came out, and then here we are. I'm not going to try. Thirty-five years later, I'll crap at that. Every just about every period of history is covered from earliest ancient times through to science fiction. Yeah. So it was was six mil something that you thought this is really worth investing all my time sculpting the entire um, history of man through to. Uh, science fiction I uh, uh, clearly it was because you've, you've done it but was, was that a passion project was it j- just purely commercial or was it a, a real interest of yours
1: I, I'd hope that most things that I do are, are passion really and uh, yeah I found them very cute <laughs> you know <laughs> making that first ancient uh, British chariot and things I thought these are are quite nice But there was a very good response to them. And so it it changed my M.O. already from playing 25 mil. All I played, me and my mates, for, uh, you know, 20 years was 6 mil. And we were able to just, you know, it's not an investment of time and money like amassing a 25 mil army, is it? You know, it's a lot faster and cheaper. And so we did just about everything you know and um i'm uh, one of those butterflies you know like a lot of war gamers are you know you sort of oh yeah i just all i'm interested in is the renaissance you know english war, and then you do that for a, a few weeks and they say yeah but what about world war Two? that's great isn't it and yeah. so you're just kind of going from period to period and so i was making ranges just because i want to war game them really
0: yeah well, I, I can't think of a better reason. Um, obviously, the, yeah, got, Yeah, no, no. I mean, there's, there's got to be a commercial aspect to it as well because you're running a company um, and and providing that service. But I can't think of a better reason than it's 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 what you want. If you, if you say in three weeks' time, I want to play a game of Spanish Civil War in six mil, then you think, well, I can sit down and bash out. A small Spanish Civil War range.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you do? Are you still gaming in six mil then? Um, No. Oh, Um, (laughs) that's the wrong answer. (laughs) It is the wrong answer. Um,
1: No, I have gamed in six mil now and again, but maybe I kind of did it to death. You know. It, it was like twenty years, or that's a, an estimated figure. Um, and I guess uh, you know, after a while, I just thought uh, I, th- I felt that I kind of made everything really in six million. You know, there's there isn't many conflicts that aren't done. There will be some, but uh, and so and and whatever. I don't know. I think that also my eyesight isn't what it was. I mean, I have made six mil recently-ish, but we haven't added that much in six mil for a long time because, as I said, I, I kind of think we've it's covered. But there are some things. Um, yeah, no, I've kind of uh, no, I, I do play with six mil. I played uh, ACW recently in six mil, but. Not as much as I did then. No.
0: Um. So as well as six mil, uh, you went even smaller and tested your eyesight even more by going down to two mil. Did they precede six mil or come afterwards? Uh, They came afterwards,
1: and I didn't design quite a few of them. I mean, ninety percent of our range I've designed, but. The two mill, a fellow called Brian Gregory approached me and showed me some things that he'd been making, uh, which were two mill. But there was a, before that, a firm called Knight Designs, which I don't suppose they're still going. They did what they called two mill. And uh, this Brian Gregory chap, he'd uh, seen them and thought, I could do better than that. But what he made, first of all, was a lot of scenery because they didn't do much in the way of uh, scenic stuff, and so he made them, and then he made the figures to go with them, and uh, he offered them to us. Uh, he he made uh, like a horse and musket range, you know, in two mil that will cover a lot of things, yeah, and yeah. some scenery, and uh, again they were they were very popular, and uh, he made then made ancients and Renaissance. I made the twentieth century stuff and modern and Sci fi and various other sort of things, but he certainly did quite a lot of that. Um, I can't claim that
0: they they seem to have. Um, I, I don't know from your point, from your viewpoint as the manufacturer, but there's a there seems to be a lot of people doing 2 mil at the moment around various social media sites and uh, you know, Twitter and, and what have you. There seems to be. Quite a following for two mil. In fact, there's a, a guy in America who runs um, a YouTube channel called Joy of Wargaming. Now, I've never actually caught his name, but just in the last, I think it was yesterday, he posted up a video, painted where he's painted up uh, a load of your two mil stuff. Um, it, is it? Does it surprise you that two mil is still selling?
1: Yeah, it's selling better than ever, you know. It's always been a good seller. Um, you know, if if you all the arguments that you say for six mil that it's cheap and you don't need much space or they're easy to paint, you know, it kind of, kind of applied doubly to two mil, I suppose. Yes. Although you don't get a, a figure as such, do you, you know?
0: No, but. Um,
1: but you, you don't get the definition that no. you can get on a six mil figure.
0: But uh, So, yeah, 2 mil is very popular. Right? Yeah. Um, just, if you would, and I know you've just said that it's a while since you made anything in 6 mil, and that you didn't do all of the 2 mil range, but how long would it have taken you to knock out a, a 6 mil strip of figures? That, so from the point where you've come up with the idea that you want to do, let's say, the Spanish Civil War range. from that point where you've made the decision to uh, how long would it take you then to get go through the production process of actually doing the research to look at what figures you need the sculpting the the casting molding and casting to the point where you've got an advert in one of the magazines
1: well uh, the the research doesn't take very long in that i have got a lot of military uniform books, etc. And I'm kind of familiar with it all, you know. So you yeah, just need yeah. to get the book out and say, oh, yeah, they've got the shirt, they've got the puttees, you know, the big trousers. It's hammer time, you know. <laughs> yes. um, so that doesn't take long. And then I think I've kind of made it a bit harder for myself in that if I do a, a strip of six figures, then I have to make six figures. Whereas if somebody's, maybe other people just make one figure and and then they, you know, reproduce it. Yeah. So, yeah. but it doesn't take long. I think my record actually was making 10, designing 10 strips in a day once. So you oh, do wow. that and then you just, you make the mold, which takes two and a half hours. And then you can cast it. And so you can be in production within a just a couple of days, you know.
0: Crikey. That's a lot quicker than that you're going to say what can you remember what which uh, period they were the where you made the 10 strips
1: that was british napoleonic
0: six mil blimey that is that is some <laughs> <that's it. laughs> what, what would you say is the best-selling six mil range at the moment mm,
1: i'm often asked that really and it's uh, pretty hard to
0: answer is it pretty much across the board that there's? It, it is
1: really across the board. I mean, I think that, like, say, Napoleonic's used to be, when we first did the six mil, Napoleonic's were big sellers, uh, and this they do still sell. But uh, I don't know. Let me think. Uh, I think, like, say, Ancients has made a bit of a comeback recently. You know. Yeah. We are selling quite a lot of ancient battle packs, you know, where you get the two armies and the, those ancient rule box rules. Yeah. They're going pretty well at the moment.
0: Well, it's almost an instant war game, isn't it? That is, you've got the, the two yeah. nice sized armies, set of rules, and you can be get you can be up and running in probably a couple of days if you're yeah. You're not too fussed about painting every eyeball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so Regular miniatures have been going, I don't know if we said this on the recording or prior to me, press, pressing records. You've been going since 80, 81, did you say, I think?
1: Well, it's 40 years in March, so 40
0: years in March. that's
1: 81. I think we must have started in 81, didn't
0: we? Have you, got anything, pla- have you, have you got anything planned for the 40th anniversary? Or just going for a lie down? <laughs> yeah
1: just
0: uh uh no (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) um so this year has been obviously for various reasons has been somewhat unique it must be one of the most unique years in a regular miniatures history um and there's been no shows you've cut back on the shows haven't you a little bit i think
1: yeah i have um I mean, uh, at, at peak time, we were doing 23 shows a year. Yeah. And uh, that's quite a lot, really. And uh, I just, I'm obviously a work shy fop, really. At, at <laughs> bone idle. And uh, it just gets a bit much, you know. But uh, my son is... Uh, has started working for us. One of my sons started working for us a couple of years ago, and he's keen to do shows. And he was gearing up to start doing more shows. And then, of course, this thing's happened. So so we will be appearing at shows when they start happening, if we can get in, because uh, there are kind of waiting lists out there. And we've kind of lost. We used to do a lot of shows, and we'll have lost our place now. Yeah, and
0: I... I think a lot. the show scene has definitely changed, hasn't it, I think, over the years. Definitely. um, There seemed to be a show every weekend um, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and um, I think the number of shows has has definitely cut back. Um, Whenever I've seen you at shows, Ian, it's always seemed quite a family affair. Yes. Yeah,
1: after after about a year just doing it by myself when I started, my dad... uh, begged me to work for me because <laughs> uh, he, he's quite old and uh, I think he was sort of getting to retirement age then he's now, he's 94 now and he still works for us um,
0: <laughs> That's wrong isn't it?
1: That's wrong Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah I just can't get rid of him really <laughs> uh, and then my son started working for me so it is a, a three generation old game
0: that is amazing. That really is amazing. I know that um, you you do a uh, a pack of cars, don't you, that's, is it, Mad Runs? Oh,
1: yeah. That was like, as opposed to Mad Max, you know. Yes. Mad
0: run. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you're aware of this YouTube channel, Ian. I, I know that... Um, what is YouTube, anyway? Well, I was just about to say that I know that... <laughs> You well, too. first of all, the television was invented. So. <laughs> television. Television, yes. It's <laughs> a marvellous marvellous invention. Um, there's a, a YouTube channel. Get, get one of your sons to uh, get this up for you. It's called The Joy of Wargaming. Oh, yeah. um, and it's one of your American customers who is is absolutely mad on your stuff. So he's recently done a series of videos using your modern Riot uh, game Um, and there's there's some battle reports where he's playing through, well, first of all, he shows you the box that you've sent him over the ocean uh, and opens it up and and shows all the figures and he shows them all painted and then he plays a few games with them and he uses the uh, Mad Max or sorry, Mad Ron type cars and the uh, regular miniatures car park pack Oh, yeah. In in some of those games, and he's now playing Gaslands using your your cars.
1: They were called modern cars at the time, but cars are not modern anymore.
0: Because no, well, no, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah. it's, it's definitely got a bit of a retro feel to it. Yeah, um, but yes, get one one of your lads to look up the Joy of War Gaming YouTube channel because. Uh, I don't know if you like actually looking at these things where you've you've created these things and, and it brings any joy to your heart. And uh, as a Yorkshireman, I, I don't know. You've you got hearts, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of
1: does. I do, I do like it, but at the same time, I think no, that's not that good, really, is it? You know, it's like you know, it's not often that you're entirely happy with the figure that you've made.
0: No, and. I can I can understand that because whenever I release one of these podcasts, I always listen back to to it just to see what bumps and lumps I've left in, and I'm generally unhappy. The feedback's always very kind and very positive, but I, I yeah, I, I cringe sometimes when I'm.
1: Well, again, this are so nice, you know. They're always kind and generous in my uh, experience, you know. God bless them.
0: God bless them. Don't ever go on Facebook for God's sake, Ian. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to keep that that sense of joy in your heart. Okay, then. <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, so please check him out, and if I knew his name, I'm going to try and get him on the show. Actually, because he's a big fan of uh, six mil and two mil, and uh, a big fan of irregular miniatures. He's. Uh, he's. He seems like he's ordering from you every other week at the moment, but. Um, uh, yeah. Just on that ordering thing then, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier on, that your turnaround in in orders is second to none. Um, It's almost, well, I've definitely had orders that have arrived in less than 24 hours. What, (laughs) What is your secret?
1: Well, the thing is, like, if you don't get them done as soon as they come in, then the next day you'll have them to do and the next days. And if you don't get them done, then you'll have, you know you're just making a rod for your
0: own back so you just got to crack on and and get them done right so that when you said you were a work shy uh, fop then I, I, I tend to disagree with you because it sounds like you're absolutely driven to get those orders out and if you look across any of the any internet news group or forum like the miniatures page or something like that then there's thread after thread after thread talking about how, how fantastic your mail order service is. So uh, absolutely, hats off to you f- for that. Um, Very kind.
1: Uh, actually, though, I mean, we we weren't sending out orders every day recently because I wanted to have what I call creative days because right. it's hard to concentrate on making figures when you're concerned with the orders. So there was days when we weren't doing orders. But we've just... My, uh, one of my sons is sort of taking over more of the mail order and so mm-hmm. we're hoping to be sending out orders every day now so maybe it'll get better.
0: Even better that'd, that'd be incredible yeah that that's real science fiction stuff where an order arrives before you've placed it but um, so just if you would Ian and I, I know we're nearly on the hour mark now and I, I want, I'm not going to keep you too much longer because I'm sure you've got better things to be doing on a Sunday night but just give me a bit of a rundown for the list, or not me, but the listeners, uh, of what an average day in a regular miniatures towers looks like.
1: Well, it, there are two sorts of days, uh, or there has been two sorts of days, where one is uh, where we're doing orders, where I have to get up at, I don't know, like half seven or something, and switch on the, the metal pot at quarter to eight, the... The, the melting pot. Yeah. And then uh Lawrence comes over at half eight, and and my wife's been working for us. You know, with coronavirus, we're massively busy. You know, yeah. we've never been busier because obviously people haven't got other avenues are limited, so they have to they have to play with toys. Audience. Yes. Absolutely. So anyway, so we're we're down in the shed, just gone eight, and then Lawrence comes and. We're doing orders, my dad turns up a bit later, he's 94, we'll let him off, the, the early start thing. And then we're just, it's frantic, full-on casting and putting orders together. And um, we sort of, yeah, get them done. And we have to get them done by sort of half three, though, because the, the local post office closes earlier now with coronavirus. I don't know why mm-hmm. they to close earlier. So and then Lawrence hairs off to the post office and the parcels are posted. Um, but then if it's a creative day, I can get up a bit later and just fanny about making figures. You know,
0: <laughs> sounds <laughs> like hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but there's there's always quite a few emails to be answered and things. But then again, Lawrence is going to take over some of that. Uh, so. Yeah, this, there's quite a lot of things with running a business, you know, quite a lot of things that keep you away from doing the the nice bits that you like, as in making the figures. But with Lawrence taking on more of the responsibilities, I hope to be able to spend a bit more time making figures and or lying in.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, as the, as the head honcho, I think that's only right that you get Absolutely. to uh, dictate your own hours. Um Back in nineteen eighty-one, uh, this young innocent eighteen-year-old set up this company, making up fifty-four mil figures. What advice would you give to him now, looking back over very nearly forty years? Um,
1: well, I think that I, I kind of we used to give we've given people too much choice. Really, uh, it sounds a bit mean, but. Um, You know, like, I mean, we're we're a bit unique because we sell figures um, individually rather than in packs. Most people sell them in a pack, don't they? Yes. But with us, you can buy 27 drummers, two sergeants, and one rifleman. Right. right? And that's not great. (laughs) For for a mail order service, that's not great because... When I make the models, I lay them out in a, what I think is a sensible proportion. 20 riflemen, three drummers, three sergeants, three officers, whatever. Yeah. And then people just order 17 drummers and one rifleman.
2: Yes. And
1: so I would think I would have to try and just kind of work that better. I don't know how. I mean, selling things in packs. I don't know. Now, I think it's nice that people can buy exactly what they want, but it does make things harder.
0: It's it's a fami- familiar sight to me that w- at the shows that you you do still attend, where customers are bent over those boxes of figures and wheels and ladders, yeah, yeah. animals that you've got, where they've got a little tray in front of them and they're just picking out the little bits and pieces that they want. I
1: guess it's our it could be our USP that you know it's, you can get what you want, uh, sort of thing. So yeah
0: and long may that continue for me as as a customer. It's not going to change now
1: no. We're not going <laughs> to we're not going to change. That, so
0: <laughs> good. <laughs> and you're not going into plastic manufacture anytime soon I guess.
1: No, it's too I am from Yorkshire and it's too expensive, you know. Um the, the tooling up is so expensive, isn't it?
0: It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah.
1: And I want it to be homemade. I don't want it to be made in China or anything like that. You know, maybe, maybe they aren't made in China, I don't know. But I'd rather it was, um, we were able to control all the processes, you know, and it would be cheap.
0: So over the last 39 plus years, how have you managed to keep the enthusiasm to get it, keep getting that Milliput out and wrapping it around a, a small wireframe and knocking out the figures that you've done because i'm guessing if i asked you how many figures you've made in that period you, you couldn't tell me
1: i used to i used to think that our range was the largest range in the world which sounds ridiculous right but i don't know
0: it might be true in I don't the, think there's another company that does a range as big as yours
1: yeah i don't know like people like britain's for instance i suppose they've had big range but then they sort of suspend things don't they and Or they've gone through all sorts of uh, reshapes and things. Um the enthusiasm. Um I I feel a bit guilty because I don't make as many figures as I used to. But I feel like it's like as you get older you seem to have less and less time. I don't know how that happens. And when you're running a business, lots of things do take up your time. I mean to deal with the the P A Y E and uh you know, all the, the clutter and rubbish that they're running a business, you know. So I don't feel I've made as many, but I kind of, I just make them for myself, really. You know, we do do commissions for people now and again, but basically, if you're making stuff for yourself, that makes you do it, doesn't it? Because you want to do it,
0: yeah. And And ha- hats off to you, actually, because sitting and, and, and sc- I've I've never actually, well, no, I have actually tried to sculpt once in one of the Wargames Illustrateds, in the mid to late 90s, there was a, an article about how to make cowboys out of FIMO oak clay, um, and that didn't end up very well. So it, it looked like morph. That just makes perfect, Sean. You just got to keep trying. Well, <laughs> true. Um, I think I was diverted elsewhere. My attentions went elsewhere. Um, That's simply because Madonna
1: was ringing you up, asking you for dates, wasn't she?
0: Yes, yes, that's that, right. In the like a virgin period, yes. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> I think you have to recognise where your skills lie and where they don't lie. And I, I very quickly realised that uh, I've got three thumbs and, and seven fingers, so uh, that didn't help. Um, okay. Like in a circus. Yeah, exactly. It's okay to see that. <laughs> um, okay, so... Future plans then for a regular? you you said you aren't sculpting as many figures now as you used to, but what's on what's on the workbench at the moment?
1: Um, well, I did some fifty four mil foreign legions and Arab types before the lockdown, and they're just about finished, and I haven't made them old. um well I'm working on some uh what am I working on Oh yeah, some uh, twenty eight mil Sultanate of Delhi figures. Which are uh, quite exotic and interesting. Yes. And then my friend Andy Partridge is making some thirty mil, <clears throat> thirty years war figures. And also there's a guy, a very talented guy called Jeff Addison, who started sending us masters completely unbidden, and they're, they're really good. And he's making six mil stuff, um, sort good. of like a lot of scenic things and uh, sort of character figures, some fantasy and some kind of historical uh what else uh oh we've just done i don't know lots of things I, I don't really like to plan too far ahead really i like to just do what i feel like
0: just go with the flow
1: yeah
0: i'm just looking at some of these new um late renaissance range from andy partridge they look very nice. actually, yeah
1: they're in these yeah. sort of smocks for the battle of white mountain look that they're, they're kind of used to wear these smocks some some characters and yeah. uh so they look nice when painted, uh, exotic colours.
0: They do. They look very nice. Um, just on the painting front, you do actually offer a painting service, don't you? Mm,
1: well, we used to, but in in all scales apart from two mil. But actually, we my wife did that and we finished it um, a few months ago. Although we still offer fifty four mil painting. I kind of oh. I said to her, you know. We don't need the money, love, and you can stop doing that now. But she quite likes it, and she. We're doing the odd bit for somebody who's had stuff in the past, but yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm um, so no, we don't actually.
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going through the website and noticed that there's a lot of um, the army packs painted up. Um that you do and there seemed to be the name K after one or two of the credited painters so I assumed it was in-house.
1: Yeah, one of my other sons paints, he used to paint for us, he's gone to university now but uh, yeah so.
0: Okay Ian, it's been an absolute blast to talk to you, I know that this has been something out of the ordinary for yourself but um, you've been a much demanded guest on the podcast. So I do appreciate you giving up your time Um, for any guest that comes onto the show. I, I should have told you this before, but there's two things I demand from guests. Um, have you got your guitar handy or (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to ask for a song. Um, I play the drums by the way. Yes. Yeah. I was just about to say, I'm sure you play the drums. I'm sure I've seen that somewhere. Um, well, it, it, we're always open for a drum solo, obviously, but uh, we can't we can't forget the drummer, can we? The bass player and the drummer are the most important parts of any band.
1: They're the engine of the band.
0: Two things I, I, I demand. One is that uh, you offer yourself up to come on again at some point in the future, um, so long as this hasn't been too painful for you. Um, so I'll just get that commitment from you now, if that's all right.
1: Yeah, go on then.
0: Go on. You don't need to sign anything in blood. Um, and secondly, and I should have given you warning for this, um, the podcast has what I have titled the God's Own Scale Virtual Library. So that is a virtual library where any guests will deposit their favorite history book, wargaming book, military history book. Um, it's got to be around that theme, so it can't be uh, the latest Jilly Cooper. But Uh, um, sorry, (laughs) Um, but have you got a book that you could just pluck off the top of your brain? Because I I never give warning uh, to guests about this, and I always drop it on the toes right at the end of the interview. Um, But uh, have you got a book that you can just pluck from the top of your brain that you would like to deposit in the God's Own Scale virtual library?
1: Um, I like, I think those WIG books are very good. and I'd say something like um, Armies of the Dark Ages by Ian Heath. Yeah. Or Flashman and the Fountain of Lightwater. Have you read the Flashman books?
0: I've read a couple of them. I've, I'm a bit remiss. I've not read all of them, but I've, I've read a
1: couple of them, yeah. Very evocative in, of the period. Not that I lived in that period, but
0: yeah. You're not that old. No. <laughs> but, uh, which, which of those was the one that you would recommend? Flashman and
1: it, was it called the, 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 something
0: up the mountain of light? The one about the sea quarrel? Okay, right. Yeah. Well, we will was. We will deposit that onto the shelf of the God's Own Scale Library, along with the uh, Dark Ages book from Ian Heath.
1: Armies of the Dark Ages. Ian Heath. Armies
0: of the Dark Ages, Very yes. Cool. They, they are absolute classics. I, I, I do agree with you. Um, Ian, thanks so much for your time um it's been a pleasure and it's really fascinating i know that this is your lived life and it's a bit like this is your life isn't it i only haven't got a red book to hand over to you but um for the customers out there and the listeners um it it will have been a fascinating insight into how a regular came into being and it, you are the the company is synonymous with the hobby um there's you know you do such a huge range of figures i can't believe there's a single wargamer out there that's never bought something from you, whether that was a wheel for a wagon or a whole army of Sassana Persians.
1: All my customers are fantastic, our customers. They're they're brilliant. They're always so nice and kind and uh, it's great. Yeah, so
0: straight back at them. No. Very, very kind of you to say so Ian okay, um oh, I haven't you. told you why we're called irregular miniatures though. oh and do you know what? That was my first question, and i didn't ask it You'd, I told you this was an amateur setup <laughs> okay. so uh, let's I'll, I'll edit this point. Uh, Ian, why is irregular miniatures called irregular miniatures
1: well it's a self depreciating joke Sean. Um, it's like because obviously regular and irregular are military terms. But so we could be saying that we do irregular figures, as in Af- Afghan and tribesmen, or whatever. But also, it means that the figures are slightly lumpy and misshapen; they're irregular uh, and a bit
0: rubbish. That is self-deprecating. Yeah.
1: It could be neither of those two meanings.
0: Yes, there's a, a there's a yes. Whichever one. I, this afternoon, um, I know that you were. Um, we've we've had a phone call um earlier on today and whilst i was waiting for that phone call i've been painting six mil uh, irregular miniatures crimean oh, yeah. figures um that i bought off you some time ago actually um uh, but it's the battle of the alma pack uh that i think i don't know if you still sell i think you might still sell it and sell it with the warring empire set of rules
1: yeah we used to have a set specifically tailored to them, which we don't have anymore, so we have to swap to. I don't even know if we do it anymore, actually. It might be a collector's item, sure. So it might be worth a lot of money. Yeah.
0: Crikey. I uh, Well, I've I've just finished putting the last brushstroke onto the last figure of every figure in that box. So I was hoping you were going to do me the upgrade for the Balaclava, because you used to do the Battle of Balaclava. So that set of rules was called War Against Russia.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Um, and I don't know if you remember, you you're very very unlikely to remember this, but at one of the last Derby shows at where was the racetrack Donnington? Do you remember uh, yeah. this Derby yeah. at Donnington? Yeah. So it wasn't Derby, it was Donnington actually. Um, I I brought that from you, hoping to pick it with the War Against Russia rules, and you said that they were no longer in production, and then you put out a call, a clarion call across across the ether ah, for anybody yeah. who might have a, a set. And you, you found one for me. Yes. Does this ring any bells? You? It does,
1: actually. And oh, when I was saying that it's no longer available, I'm thinking that in my drawer of rule masters, there is. I think there is a set of War Against Russia, and so that must be it. I think it was from the, the actual author, wasn't it? David Kelso.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. He's, yeah. I think he sent me one. What a nice guy.
0: Ah, what a night. Well done, David, and thank you very much. Yeah. Um, It is as soon as this damned pandemic ends and the Stoke War Games group reopens, because we are still shut, I will be using War Against Russia with the Battle of the Alma uh, pack from uh, Ian's Figures, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Mm. Um, I will pester you for the uh, rest of the order of battle for uh, Balaclava, because that was a supplement pack that you used to do, uh, to add on to the battle of the alma figures but, uh, yes that's right ian again sorry we've i've wandered way off <laughs> topic that's quite normal for me uh, but once again thanks very much for your time i know you're actually on holiday at the moment aren't you and you've, mm. you've given up an hour and 15 minutes of your time now so thank you for your time and i hope to speak to you again okay my pleasure a long way to go, it's a long way to
2: Tipperary, to the sweetest girl I know, by Piccadilly, farewell Lester Square, it's a long, long way to Tipperary.
0: Okay, welcome back to God's Own Scale Studios, where I've just finished a project. I know, I know, amazing. It's the Crimean project that I talked to Ian about in the show, and you may have seen some pictures up on Twitter or Facebook of the battlefield, which measures just 22 inches by 16 inches. I'll let you know how the actual game goes, which most likely at the moment will be solo as lockdowns spread across the UK. I'm very tempted to do something I've seen on the Plastic Crack podcast, which is available through YouTube. That's a great podcast by the way guys, so go and check it out on YouTube, where a bunch of gamers just sit and talk hobby for a couple of hours, a great way to pass the time whilst painting. They've started uh, amongst themselves to have themed months on their individual YouTube channels uh, for their own hobby projects. I'm finding that having so many projects on the go myself I can flitter around all of them doing little bits here and there but never seeing much progress. Whereas if I dedicate a month or two to one project hopefully I can see some substantial progress or maybe even complete a project if I'm disciplined enough. On top of that Alex from the Storm of Steel YouTube channel and blog has just been showing how much he can get done just doing 15 minutes hobby a day so so I'm going to try that from tomorrow uh, which will be the 16th of October for a month to just see how much I can get done. The first theme month will be the American Civil War for my Antietam project. While this will be the principal focus I may just finish off a building or two for the Mons game but the main focus will be American Civil War. That will also start tomorrow and I'll let you know how that goes. I'll run it through probably till the end of November, so roughly six weeks of work, and I'll report back. Wish me luck. Okay, that's me nearly done. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to support my efforts, I have a Patreon campaign running. Thank you to all of you who already contribute to keeping the lights on in the studio. The new microphone is ordered, but is on the proverbial slow boat from China. Your contributions really do help. If you wish to jump on board, please click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash God's Own Scale. You can also contact me via email at God's Own Scale at gmail.com or on Twitter at God's Own Scale. Next up is an interview with rules author Nick Dorrell, author of the Twilight series of rules for English Civil War, Seven Years War, um, War of Spanish Succession I think there's three sets out at the moment it's quite a long one and we have a, a great old chat about rules writing the hobby and just about everything else in between but until next time keep safe play nice keep talking about sex went
2: away to do his with the smile on his lips and his left pen and fips upon his shoulder, right and gay. As the train moved out, he sang, Remember me to all the birds. Then he wagged his paw and went away to all, shouting out these pathetic words Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, am the so dear baby dear from your eye. Though it's hard to far, I know, I know, I'll be Oh, don't cry Don't sigh There's a silver lining in the sky On oh, my old things Cheerio, chin-chin Naboo, to glue, goodbye At the concert, down at the queue Some convalescent Dressed in blue Had to hear Lady Lee Who had heard 83 Sing all the old, old songs she knew Then
0: she made a I
2: looked upon you boys with pride And for what you've done I'm going to kiss each one Then they all grab their sticks and cry Goodbye, goodbye And it was tear, baby, dear From your eye Though it's hard to part I know, I know I feel Because the death to go Don't cry, don't cry There's a silver lining in the sky But my old Little Private Patrick saw He was the prisoner of war Till the Hun with the gun called his pig dog for fun Then Paddy punched him on the door Right across the barbed wire fence the German dropped the dear, oh dear. All the white gave away a fatty yell, hooray, as he ran for the Dutch frontier. Goodbye, goodbye. good night. Good oh, I'm the from your eye. Though it's hard, too hard, I know, I know. I see, people and it's a go Don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lightning in the sky. Waffle, whole thing the ocean, king, king,